Well, if you have a Bible and you would like to follow along with me, you can do so by turning to Mark chapter 3. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 13 through 21. Uh, you can find it in my Bible on page uh, 1,256. I'm not sure what it is in the Pew Bibles, but they're Pew Bibles. You have smartphones. It's also printed for you in the bulletin. If you would like to follow along, it might be helpful to do that. I do want to welcome you to Redeemer this morning. It's great to have you with us. My name is Sean Slate. I'm the pastor here. And we are so glad to have you with us this morning because we know that there are a million different things that you could be doing this morning. For instance, you could be at home watching the final fixtures of the EPL, the English Premier League. Uh, today's a big day. We'll find out who gets relegated. Uh, and my fantasy team is probably going to get relegated. But anyway, uh, y'all aren't doing that. You're here. Uh, some of you could be at home sitting in the dark listening to the, the new T-Swifty album that dropped this week. Just pretty amazing. It fills all the emotions and makes you want to listen to the national. Uh, others of you uh, could be at home preparing uh, for bingo on Wednesday night, but you're not doing that. You're here. And so I do want to thank you for coming. It's great to have you with us. The reality is there's nothing better that you can do with your time than worship Jesus, consider his claims upon your life, and think about the beauty of his kingdom. So I do want to thank you for joining us this morning, and uh, welcome to Redeemer. What is Redeemer? Redeemer is a church, and what that means is that we're a community of people who are trying to learn how to love God, and we're trying to learn how to love our neighbor. And fundamentally, what we believe is that Jesus is God, he's the Messiah, he's entered into the world to die for our sins and to reveal the love of the Father. And so every week as his people, we gather together in his name to worship him and learn to rest in the love that God has for us in Christ. And as we rest in his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in community. And we hang out with each other. We play fantasy uh, soccer together. We play pickleball together. We read the Bible together. We pray together, all to remind each other of the great love that God has for us in Jesus. And so as we rest in his love and as we remind each other of his love, we then become a people who delight to gather together in service so that together we might reflect the love of God to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors who are here in Urban and University at Oxville. And hopefully in some way, it would spill out into the entire world. That's who we are, people who are trying to learn how to love God. We're trying to learn how to love our neighbor as we rest, as we remind, and as we reflect. And so to help us do that, we've begun this new series on the kingdom of God as seen through the lens of the gospel of Mark. And this morning, our theme uh, is kingdom community, right? Kingdom community. So with that in mind, let's look together. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 21. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, and uh, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he is out of his mind. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Would you pray with me now for the teaching. Heavenly Father, uh, we truly are thankful 
uh, for this, your word, because you're a God who isn't silent and you're not hidden, but you're one who delights to make yourself known. And you have revealed yourself in your word, by your spirit, and ultimately in the person and work of Jesus. And so now, uh, during these few moments, as we attend unto your word, we ask that by your grace, by your spirit, you would attend unto us, that we might see lovely and beautiful things about you and your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, my guess is that for many of us over the last few months, we've begun to feel sort of disconnected from our Christian community, right? I mean, our rhythms have been disrupted. The normal routines of church and work and small groups and happy hours, I mean, they all look so different and they all feel completely different. And I would say that many of us have even begun to feel tensions uh, with one another over whether to mask or not to mask, uh, whether to school or not to school, whether to be or not to be, right? These are our questions. I mean, just real talk, as uh, John Mulaney's Sack Lunch Bunch kids say, uh, I mean, real talk, as, as your pastor, I even feel disconnected uh, from many of you, and I feel disconnected from our church and our community. I mean, Sundays, uh, they're beautiful, and yet we also feel, uh, they feel different. Uh, communication, uh, from our perspective, is really complicated. It's really hard. Decisions uh, just keep having to get made over and over and over again, and we make a decision, and then the data seems to change the next day. Uh, there's literal distance. Uh, you're sitting in orange rows, you know, and not the white rows. You're sitting separate and far from one another. We're kind of hidden behind these masks. We feel different, distant, and we feel things feel uh, different, and I'd be willing to guess that Many of you, as you think about Redeemer, you probably are asking a lot of questions like, uh, what happened to her? Uh, uh, what are we going to be in the future? Who should we be in the future? Will we ever be the same? Will things ever go back to the way it used to be? Um, I don't know. These are huge questions. But to answer these questions, we need to actually ask a more basic question is this. What is, Christian, what is Christian community in the first place? What, what is Christ actually doing through his community? And as we look at this passage, Mark is taking us back to some first principles. And the first principle that he's laying before us is this. Jesus creates his community. Jesus creates his community. Say that with me. Jesus creates his community. And we notice this beginning in verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And this is really important because as we look at this text, what we see is that Jesus is actually the origin of all Christian community. Jesus is the origin of Christian community, and we are not. And what this means, what the implication of this is, is that Christian community is actually a gift from God. We all want it. We all want community. We all desire community. We all have visions of what Christian community ought to look like and feel like and sound like. 
but community is a gift that we receive. Community is not something we create. Community is not something that we can demand. It's not even something that we can control. It is something that we receive and enjoy and give thanks for. Community is first a gift from God. And this gift from God should never be taken for granted. And to be honest, I mean, one of the real laments of these last few months is that the past joys of our Christian community, uh, they've sort of been disrupted. We feel distant from people that we enjoy. We, we have different things that we're able to do. We haven't been able to do some of the things that for years we've loved being able to do. We weren't able to do things like Monday, Thursday downtown. We weren't able to have meat wave. We, weren't, we had to disrupt power lunch where we weren't able to eat with one another and study the Bible together. We had to go on Zoom together. Uh, Bible studies have been disrupted. We weren't able to have snow cones and cotton candy together on Easter. Community groups moved from in person to in Zoom and then have sort of like taken a break for the summer. Parties that we love to participate in, they've all been disrupted. In many ways, this is just really disappointing, right? And it's a real, true lament. And in the midst of the lament, our temptation is to sort of get angry. Uh, to get angry at God, to get angry at the community, to keep records of all the things that are wrong. But this text is asking us to remember that Christian community is a gift to be received and we need to learn to cultivate gratitude for not only big things, but just the little things that God does as he brings us together. Think about it this way. You can think about uh, our attitudes towards our community like, like Christmas morning. Let's say you want a Red Ryder BB gun. And uh, you've been, you desire this, you've been crying out for it. And on Christmas morning, you don't get the Red Ryder BB gun but you get an Xbox and a pogo stick. Now, you, can, uh, you, have, you have some options, right? You can be angry about not getting the Red Ryder BB gun, or you can enjoy and rejoice and be thankful for the Xbox and the pogo stick, right? But what you choose to do will impact Christmas morning. Christmas morning can be filled with bitterness and anger and frustration, or Christmas morning could be filled... Uh, with gratitude and joy as you bounce around on a pogo stick playing Xbox. I don't know if people still play Xbox, but that's the way it used to be. Uh, or you can think about uh, community sort of like a marriage. Uh, oftentimes our marriages begin to dissolve or devolve into constantly telling one another uh, what we're not doing. Uh, constantly telling one another how we're failing, constantly pointing out how other marriages do other things. And when our marriages kind of fall into that pattern, um, it becomes miserable. <laughs> and our marriages don't grow in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and all those beautiful things. Our marriages begin to grow in bitterness. But marriages that give thanks, not only for these big things, but begin to cultivate gratitude for even the little things, those are the marriages that tend to grow in love and become fruitful and beautiful and inviting. Here's my point. Christian community 
is actually a gift to be received and delighted in. Whenever, wherever, and however God seeks to give it. And again, I know that there has been great communal loss this year. And I know that things, even as we're beginning to regather, feel different and weird. But it really is true. Uh, we have no, lo- no idea how long things will be this way. And we have got to learn and become creative about ways in which we can cultivate new joys. We've got to be creative about ways to celebrate little things that Jesus is giving us as he calls us to be together. Here's the deal. Jesus is the one who creates community. Jesus creates his community. Say that with me. Jesus creates his community. Now, I actually think that that's one of the things that makes Christian community so difficult. One of the things that's really difficult about Christian community is that we don't choose it. God chooses it. And this means that most likely Jesus has chosen some people and some experiences that you and I would never choose. I would never choose these masks. And if you look around, there might be people in this room that you would never choose. And they would probably never choose you either. And this is really hard because one of the things that we really want from Christian community is comfort and ease. We want to be comfortable. We want it to be easy. We want it to be familiar. And so what that means for many of us is when we think about Christian community, we want people to look like me and act like me and think like me and love like me and enjoy like me and sing like me and have read what I've read. And this is true even for those of us who are longing for greater diversity, We want diversity, we just want it on our own terms. And we want diversity, we want people who are different from us to come and be like us. We want diversity as long as we can ignore our differences, as long as we can ignore our different cultures, as long as we can ignore the pains and struggles of our economic differences, of our educational differences, of our racial differences. But the reality is this, is that when human beings come together in close contact with one another, we're different. And Jesus brings us together with all of our differences so that we might learn how to love and celebrate one another's differences in him. And I actually think that this is one of the beautiful things about Christian community, is that through our differences, God is teaching us more and more about himself. Every one of us in here are broken in different ways. And because we're broken in different ways, and we have different experiences and different pasts, Jesus is meeting each of us in that brokenness, in that particular brokenness of each of us. And as you speak of how God has met with you, as you tell other people of that, we have the privilege of learning more and more about how God redeems us and how he restores us. But it's not only our brokenness, we're all gifted in different ways. We're all gifted in such a way that we need one another. And we need one another to show us more and more beautiful things about the God who redeems us. I would assume many of you have read C.S. Lewis's uh, Four Loves before. And if you've read it, you remember his reflection on friendship. 
And he says this, In each of my friends there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald Tolkien's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can count, increases the fruition which each of us has of God. For every soul seeing him in her own way, doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest. That, says an old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying, holy, 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 to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall have. And here's his point. God has uniquely made each and every one of us We all have our own unique experiences and we all engage God from our own particular place in this world. And the more we share God with one another, the more we fully come to know God himself. And this is why Jesus brings us together so that together we might begin to enjoy him more fully. Again, here's the point. Jesus creates his community. Say that with me. Jesus creates his community. And I want you to notice the reason that he creates this community, verse 14. So that they might be with him. So that they might be with him. This is amazing to me. Jesus actually desired for them to be with him. Jesus desired fellowship with them. And I think that this is really important for us to see because it is easy for us to think that God puts up with us, God tolerates us uh, because he's supposed to. That God loves us because he's supposed to love us, but God doesn't really like us. That's not the way of Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 13. He went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. Jesus desires for us to be with him. And he not only calls us to himself because he desires us, he also calls us to himself in order to appoint us. You see this in verse 12. He appointed 12 so that they might be with him and so that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And what we see here is that Jesus is creating his community So that his community might proclaim his kingdom and fight against the evil one. And this is part of what we're saying week in and week out when we say that Redeemer exists resting, reminding, and reflecting. That Jesus actually calls us to himself that we might rest in his love. That we might know him and enjoy him and delight in him. And then we do that together. And as we do it together, we're reminding one another of the fullness of God and the joy of God and the delights of God. And then we're all sent out, right, bearing witness, reflecting the kingdom of God and its king. Jesus calls us to himself to rest in him and be reminded that we might be sent out. 
reflecting. You see, Jesus creates his community. Say that with me. Jesus creates his community. But sadly, again, this is what often causes so much conflict among us because many of us are looking for community that we can be the center of. But Jesus is creating a community that he is the center of. Jesus is trying to create a community uh, that will rotate or orbit around him. And think about uh, when we seek to orbit around ourselves, think about the conflict that that brings up within us. And just think about the first community here that's listed. Think about uh, what it would have been like to hang out with Simon Peter. Simon Peter, this huge, big personality, always at the center of everything. This, this man who was fiery and outspoken. This, this man who was bold at times and yet afraid. This, this man who everything is right or everything is wrong. This man who is all or nothing. So much so that when Jesus says, hey, uh, Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. He says, no, you'll wash my head and my hands. You'll wash all of me or you'll wash none of me, right? And, uh, or later on, right? Uh, Jesus says, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me tonight. And Peter says, I would never deny you. Like, all our friends over here, like these 11 guys, like, you know, the zealot, you know, uh, uh, Thaddeus, they're going to do it. They're going to deny you. I'm not going to do it. Three times that evening, he, de- he denies him. Later in life, he goes out proclaiming with, with courage, the resurrected Jesus, and then runs into some people who have come from Jerusalem. They say, hey, look, you can't really be saved unless you're circumcised. He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then Paul comes to him, and there's this huge fight. And as you think about Peter's life, it's this life that's up and it's down, it's hot and it's cold. It's this life that's all or nothing. It's black or it's white. And now imagine Peter in community with these two guys that Jesus calls the sons of thunder. I mean, think about the explosion of those people being together. The sons of thunder make Peter look calm. If you remember in Luke chapter 9, the sons of thunder go into this Samaritan village to talk of the kingdom of God, and and, uh, that village rejects them. And do you remember their response? They go back to Jesus and they say, Hey, Jesus, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Like, it's amazing. Like, they rejected us. Let's get them. Um, Or think about the competition that existed within this early community, right? Over and over again, uh, the sons of thunder, uh, or their mom, I think it's amazing. I think they sent their mom to Jesus at one point, uh, to to ask Jesus, hey, can we sit at your right and your left? Can Can we be one and two in this community? Or, or as the apostles would gather around in their free time, they, they'd sit around and they'd debate who was the greatest. Who was the best at following Jesus? Like they, they turned this being with Jesus into a competition. And sadly, I'm afraid that we're not all that different. Competing to be the best Christian, whatever that might be. Competing to know the most or do the most, who attends the most, who obeys the most, who's sacrificial the most. And what we tend to do is turn the Christian community into an arena of competition. And I think that this is the way many of us uh, begin to think about the Christian life. 
It's this game uh, that we must win. But what's the game? Like, what's the prize? It reminds me of Gabriella in High School Musical 2 uh, when she's so frustrated at, at Sharpay because Sharpay always has to be at the center. She always has to win everything. And she just throws up her arms at one point. She says, what's the prize? Troy, the Star Dazzle Award? No thanks, Sharpay. You're very good at a game that I don't want to play. So I'm done here. But you better step away from the mirror long enough to check the damage that will always be right behind you. It's amazing. Uh, what, what, what's the game? Like, what's the prize? Maybe the Christian community is not a competition to be won, but it's a gift to be received. And in receiving it, we actually receive and come near to Jesus. And as we come near to Jesus, we learn that there's something better than winning. What we begin to learn is that we're actually loved. You see, Jesus creates his community. Say that with me. Jesus creates his community. But it's not just their personalities that led to conflict. It's also their ideologies. I want you to notice that one of Simon's, one of the Simons in the list was a zealot. Now, a zealot was a nationalistic uh, revolutionary. And so you could imagine... Uh, Simon in fatigues in a beret and with bullets across his chest. You could imagine him, imagine him in Hamilton drinking to the revolution, right? Like that's who he was. And he was looking to find freedom and looking to find salvation in the culture and the tradition and the history and the righteousness of Israel. And he was willing to fight and kill for it. And in God's sense of humor, he invites Simon the zealot to sit across the table from Matthew the tax collector. And this is crazy because if you know anything about tax collectors at the time, tax collectors were pawns in the Roman governmental system. And they were traitors to Israel. And so a zealot would have hated, would have hated the tax collector because tax collectors worked for and benefited from Rome while taking advantage of Israel. And this would have been like an Antifa commander uh, sitting across the table from a Goldman Sachs executive. And it's fascinating to me that the Christian community from its very origin, from the very beginning, is filled with people from all walks of life, and along all the spectrums, politically and socially and economically. And that's the beauty of God's community. That he's drawing people from different walks of life, Republicans and Democrats and blacks and whites and athletes and mathletes and singles and marrieds and men and women and children and adults. And he's inviting people who all see the world differently to come together and see the world and see one another through him. You see, Jesus creates his community. Say that with me. Jesus creates his community. But one of the sad things about Christian communities is that they often have disappointments within them. Think about the way this list ends 
Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. And it's just like the worst verse in the whole Bible. How is it that this man who was so in, seemingly so in, could fall away? And yet if you've been around a Christian community for any length of time, you've experienced this. You've experienced close friends, Bible study leaders, elders, pastors, campus workers, spouses, children, at times who seem to have been all in, like turn away and leave. Why would someone leave? Why would they be tempted to betray Jesus? And it seems to me that in all of my friends uh, who have left, there came a point in their life when they came to the conclusion that Jesus wasn't enough for them. That they wanted more than Jesus was willing to give them. They wanted something different than Christ himself. Judas followed Jesus because Judas was down with the revolution against Rome. But when it took too long, he took the money. What about you? Are there things that you want more than Jesus? I mean, real talk, right? There comes a time or there will come a time in every Christian's life where you will be given the opportunity to answer this question. Is Jesus enough for you? You'll be confronted with it. Maybe it'll be over a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Maybe it will be over sex. Maybe it will be over money. Maybe it will be over power. Maybe, maybe it will be over illness. Maybe it will be over comfort or acceptance or popularity. Maybe it will be over your children. But God in his kindness uh, forms and creates a Christian community uh, and he places it around us to remind us over and over and over again that Jesus is enough. What is it that will keep the Christian community together? Some of you would say programs. Some of you will say your events. Some of you will say our theology. Some of you will say communication. Some of you will say our mission. Some of you will say our habits. Some of you will say our culture. Here's the real answer. Not to be trite, not to be banal. The answer is Jesus. Jesus will keep his Christian community together because Jesus creates his community. And Jesus is enough for his community. What is it that kept the 11 together? What kept the 11 together was a siren going off every week at 1050. What, what, ke what keeps the 11 together? What keeps the 11 together is that they loved Jesus more than they loved their politics. What keeps, Jesus, what keeps the community together is that they loved Jesus more than they loved being right. 
They love Jesus more than they love their reputations. They love Jesus more than their comfort. They love Jesus more than their preferences. They even love Jesus more than they love their own lives. It might sound trite, but Captain and Tennille, when they sang a long time ago, they had it right when they said love. Love will keep us together. But it's a love not so much for you or for me, that there is a love between you and me. But that love between you and me is a love that flows out of our love for Christ and Christ's love for you and Christ's love for me. And we've got to cultivate within us and within our community a love for being more than cool, a love for Jesus Uh, that is a love more than being rich or powerful or smart or right or comfortable. We've got to be a community in which Jesus is enough for us. Jesus creates his community. Say that with me. Jesus creates his community. And this happens within us as we come to Jesus and learn his love for us. And that's what this table is all about. This table is a table that isn't our table. It's it's Jesus' table. And Jesus spreads this table for us so that he might feed us. And he feeds us, not with all the good things we do, but he feeds us with himself. He feeds us with his body and he feeds us with his Blood, And as we come to this table, what we see is God's actual love for us. That when we had nothing, he gave everything. And that's why when we come to this table every week, we come to this table empty-handed. We come with nothing. Because he's already provided everything. And so as you come in a few minutes, uh, you come with a bunch of other people. And everyone coming to this table is someone who needs Jesus. And is someone who is invited by Jesus. And we all come with these empty hands knowing that only he can fill them. And as he fills us, and as he unites us to himself by his spirit, he begins creating this beautiful community. He brings us here so that we might feast in him and rest in him and be reminded of him. And as we watch people coming, we see that Jesus is one who's gathering people to himself from all kinds of different places. Love different things, think about different things, read different things, like Hamilton, don't like Hamilton. But he brings us to this table because he loves us and therefore we love him. This table tells us That Jesus creates his community. One last time, say that with me. Jesus creates his community. Therefore, I invite you to rise and lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.